Well, good morning. You know, when I was younger, the big thing, I remember back in the 80s and 90s, the big battle, commercial battle, was between Coke and Pepsi. Which one was the real deal? You know, Coke tried to claim the real deal. Then what I believe is the fake Pepsi came along. Any Pepsi fans in here? Who are the Pepsi fans? All right, we're not friends. See, when I grew up, my brother, my house was divided. My brother was all about Pepsi, and I was all about Coke. So for every big event, my parents had to buy a two-liter of Pepsi and a two-liter of Coke because there would be a little battle going on in the Balbock house. But they've always used to do that taste challenge. Can you really get, do you really know the difference between the two? I want to invite someone up here. Jenna, there's someone in the house. Jenna, can you come up here for a moment? I want to see how well Jenna knows the difference between Coke and Pepsi. Give Jenna a hand as she makes her way up here. Okay, Jenna has been studying her whole life for this moment. Okay, she's going to find out. So let's see if Jenna can know the difference. Okay, I have two cups up here, Jenna. All right, one cup has Coke and one cup has Pepsi. I have a double cup so you can't see which is which, okay? So go ahead and do your thing and see if you know the difference, okay? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh, the challenge is on. And wait, but before you say, like, what are you, a Coke person or are you a Pepsi person? I, uh, I knew I liked you for some reason. There you go. She has to do a double. There you go. Does it taste nasty? That's Pepsi. If it tastes good, as Coke. There you go. That's what I'm thinking. So what do you think? Which one's, which one's Coke and which one is Pepsi? Okay, so she thinks this is Pepsi. All right, let's find out. This is... You're right, Pepsi. Give it up. See, that only proves what I've always known. The Coke drinkers are the wiser people. Okay, they're the smart ones. You want to take one back to your seat so you can finish it up? There you go. You want the Coke. I hear you. I hear you. You know, the challenge is Pepsi came along back in the 80s, and they were the pretender. They were the copycat, in my humble opinion. All throughout life, though, we are constantly challenging ourselves or being challenged with pretenders or copycats, things that are impersonations of the real thing, things that want to take charge and say they are the real deal. You know, as we talk about Jesus in his I am statement today, he says, I am the gate. And what Jesus was getting to was the heart of the Coke and Pepsi challenge. No, he wasn't talking about Coke or Pepsi. But he was talking about who is the real deal. Because in this world, we have a whole bunch of pretenders that try to take on who is the true Messiah, who is the true Savior of the world. And Jesus says, I am. You see, in his I am statement, he says this in John 10, 7, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate. The challenge here is the understanding that all the sheep they are in desperate need of the shepherd. In order for them to get through the gate, they need the shepherd. They're unable to get to the pasture on their own. They're just not smart enough. They need the help. They need the protection. They need the guidance of the shepherd to get to the, to, to the pasture. You know, the ultimate goal of our life, the real deal, what is the pasture that we're going after? And there's a tension in this. There's a huge tension in this. 
Which is the true gate? Just like back in the 80s and the 90s, the true tension, which is the real deal, Coke or Pepsi? And here we are with Jesus. Who is the real deal to get us to the pasture, to get us to that place? Because the gate is the entrance to the abundant life. That's what this is. That's what this is all about. What leads me to life to the full, abundant life, not just for eternity, but also for now, right now in my day-to-day, every aspect of my life. How do I achieve that? How do I get that? And the gate is the entryway into that life. And let's be honest, we're all trying to get the good life. Every one of us, if we're, trying to, if we're going to be real with ourselves and real with each other, we're all trying to achieve the good life. But what is the good life? That's the big question I think we need to answer before we can even move forward. And in order to answer it, we need to understand how do we attain it as well. This has been the question of the ages for generations upon generations. You know, every single person and philosopher all throughout the ages from Socrates and all the others, tried to examine and highlight the reality of what is the good life and how do you get there. And everybody had a difference of opinion. In fact, in our world right now, we have over 8 billion people on this planet. And probably we have just about as many 8 billion opinions on what is the good life. And that's what makes it so hard for us to attain it, to understand it, to grab a hold of it. And so before we move on, I think we need to deal with the word good. You see, I think it's so important when we are discussing things or trying to come to an understanding of direction in our life, we need to define our terms. Because so often, we may be using the same term but mean two completely different things. And so we need to understand and define what it is good. What is that? Because if I went around this whole room, person to person, I bet every person would have some sort of different theory or understanding or opinion or slant to their identification of what is good. We all have those different aspects of the good life. Many of us are thinking material comfort or well-being, as long as I don't have any health issues or engagement or meaningful engagement in my activities and work. Like I have a purpose. I have something to wake up to on Monday morning. Maybe I'm involved in a loving relationship, someone who really gets me and cares about me. Or maybe I belong to a community of people that I just enjoy life with and hang out with. We, we all have different aspects of what does it mean to be good. And, and maybe if you're honest, maybe it's a little bit of all those things. That if I can just achieve that, then that's the good life. And many times how we define good only creates a mirage of what truly is good. It's like when you're out there in a very hot day and you're so thirsty and you're running and sometimes that sun just hits the pavement and it just kind of glistens in such a way that looks like a body of water and you're just like, give me some water. When you get there, you realize it was just a fake. It was just a figment of your imagination. It was just a mirage. And I think we struggle sometimes because we create a mirage in our minds of what should be good. That if I can just get to that point, I have that, then I'll have the good life. 
then everything will be great. See, because good leads to the fulfillment that we're seeking within our hearts, within our soul, within everything that we are. It leads us to the place where we feel secure, where we feel protected, where we feel, where we have that sense that, you know what, everything is going to be okay. And in this world, with every passing day, I don't know about you, but it gets harder and harder and harder to have that sense of everything's just going to be okay. Because there's some days, if I'm going to be honest with you, that I wake up and I try to convince myself everything's going to be okay, but deep down in the depths of my soul, I just don't feel like it. Are you with me on that? And we just think if I can get there, then that's the good life. How do I achieve that sustainable joy that we've talked about in past messages? How do I get there? Jesus said, verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Listen to this, friends. They will come in and go out and find pasture. They'll find the pasture. Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. You know what's a fascinating visual that Jesus is providing there? Back in that day, see, everybody understood the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd back then. It was a common place. It was a common job. And back in that day, on many occasions, shepherds would sleep at the gate of their area, of their pasture, where the sheep had to go in and go out. In turn, the shepherd were the very gate for the sheep. And their job, their role in sleeping at the gate was so that they were the one, the thing that kept all the predators out. That if a predator was going to get to the sheep, they had to go through the shepherd. And in the same way, they were going to be the one who was going to stand in the guard and protect and keep the sheep in. Because they knew sheep sometimes get a little bored. Sometimes they wander. And they might be like, I'm enjoying the pasture, but what's out there? And I got to keep them in. And if I'm going to be honest, I'm the same way. I'm a sheep. And if you're going to be honest too, so are you. We all are. We all need that protector, that shepherd who is the gate. Who's keeping all the predators out. Who are trying to get us. In the same way. Sometimes I just go through my day and I go through the flow and I'm just wandering around and I'm trying to, hey, that looks pretty cool. Let me go see what's out there. No, 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 you stay in there. You got to stay in the pasture. Stay in that place where you will be protected. You see, the sheep need the guidance. The sheep desperately need the protection of the shepherd to get to the pasture. The sheep cannot experience the full reality and the blessings and the goodness of the pasture without the guidance and the protection of the sheep. They will miss it. They will walk away from it or the predators will get into it. The shepherd is vital. The shepherd is the gate. He's the gate. And Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the one who protects you from all the predators trying to get you, and I'm the one to make sure you don't wander off into the predators in your wandering of, through life. Through, G, through Jesus, he says, I will lead you through the pasture. 
You'll go in and out. In other words, I'll walk you through the valley. I'll walk you through the hardships. But I will always direct you to the safe place of the pasture. Because biblically speaking, the pasture is the good life. It's the good life. Everything that you're searching for. Everything your heart is longing for. Everything that causes you to toss and turn at night just to kind of grab a hold of. It's found in the pasture. It's there. And Jesus says, I am the gate there. Because in the pasture, we find and we experience the fulfillment that your heart is longing for. The fulfillment that your mind is searching for. All the things that your mind is racing around It's in the pasture where your mind will find peace. It's in the pasture where you find security and protection, a sense that everything will be okay. Because you know outside the pasture, the world is crazy. The world is hard. The world is difficult. But when you're in the pasture, you get that sense, you know what? Whatever's going on in the wilderness around me, I'm going to be okay. I have that joy that sustains. The mirage of good, it comes and goes. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But the pasture that sustains. You know what's so special about the pasture? It is life-giving. It's life-giving. You see, the pasture is where the sheep found their food, their water, their source of energy, their source of sustainability to just get through life. That's what the pasture is. And that's what the pasture represents to us, spiritually and emotionally speaking. It's that place where you will receive life, the ability to get through each day, no matter what you are going through, no matter what you are about to face, the pasture is what fills you up to make it through. And Jesus, as the gate is the path to the good life. Jesus says the gate is the path to security and plenty where everything is just provided. And we're all on that quest to find the pasture. We're all looking for that place that's life-giving. It just feels like in this world, it just feels like life continually is depleting and beats me down and beats me down and beats me down. And I just need something to re-energize me and to reboost me. And we can't find it, but it's not out there. It's in the pasture, the pasture of God's presence. Jesus said, I am the gate. And as he said those words, he said this also, a very bold and straightforward caution. We need to be careful and we need to always be on alert because there are those out there that are a mirage of good. There are the predators out there that are the gate pretenders. They may try to act like the real deal, but they're not the real deal. They are not life-giving. Jesus said he is the gate. He is the one who is life-giving. All those gate pretenders out there, they appear good, but in the end, they don't give life. 
all they do, all the world does, all the things that we grab a hold on to, it just depletes life more and more. And, and oftentimes we don't even realize it until it's too late when the chaos is all around us. Jesus said in verse 8 of John 10, all who come to me, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. You know, we are in the search of the good life, and the problem is this. We constantly find ourselves in a world that's broken and hurting and, and beat down. Maybe your job's not going the way that you hoped it to. Maybe you have that call last week that gave you the health news that you were not looking forward to, or whatever it might be, but life just completely beats us down, and it seems like the world is crumbling all around us, and even beyond that, we have no control over it. And if you are like me, you wrestle with that because you're a control freak. Guys, I'm a control freak. And when the stuff and junk is happening all around me, I lose control because I can't control it. And with all this going on all around us because we're trying to gravitate towards the good life in some way and we're just beaten down by life, we're seeking to some sort of Messiah, someone to save us from the mess that we are in. Whatever mess that is. And how we define the term good oftentimes determine how you define the Messiah you're looking for. And when you define your term good by the better life in this world, it shifts your focus of what Messiah you're searching for. And that's who Jesus was dealing with, with the people on that day. That's what was going on. You see, the Messiah is the one who comes to save. That's what it means. I, I kind of look at it this way. Look at the word Messiah, how it's spelled, M-E-S-S-I-A-H. It's a mess I, ah. Oh. Right? That's what the Messiah is. First there's the mess, then he comes, and life is good. That's what the Messiah is. And we're all searching for that at some level. Every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we're seeking a savior in our life to get us out of the mess that we are in. And here's the problem. The exact problem that Jesus was dealing with in this moment. Because we define good based upon the achievements of this life, better health, better job, better circumstances that we are in, whatever it may be, before you know it, our Messiah, whether you want to say it or not, I know it's like, Bill, there's not my, I get it, but hear me out. Our Messiah becomes political figures. Our Messiah becomes celebrities. Our Messiah becomes whatever is the popular opinion. Whatever feels good in the moment. Whoever we can kind of hold on tangibly that says, this person's going to come in and save the day. And Jesus is saying, all those that came before me that you held on to as the one to save your day, they weren't it. I am the gate. I am the gate. These gates, Jesus was trying to say, are pretenders. From the pat, from that, that trying to lead us to the pasture, we're trying to lead on to them. They're, we're trying to live, uh, lean on them for the good life. 
but they don't give the good life. Jesus says, not only do they not give you the good life, they rob you of life. In other instances, Jesus said this in Matthew 7, watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit that you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Jesus is saying, guys, there are people, there are mirages, there are pretenders who are trying to act like the gate, like they are the ones that will lead you to the pasture. They are the ones that will lead you to the good life. But it's not them, it's me. It's always been me. I am the gate. In me you have life. All these others are thieves and robbers. They often appear as okay. They seem to be legit, but they're just Pepsi. They're not that good. Okay, did I offend all the Pepsi people? Sorry about that. But they come with selfish motives. They come with brutal tactics to ravage the flock. But in the end, they're in it for themselves, not for you. They're in it to gain for themselves. They're not in it to get you to the pasture. I am the gate. You know, my family and I, we've been trying to catch up with Cobra Kai because I like the Karate Kid, right? And we're in season five, and, and at the beginning of season five, there is, they go to Mexico, and there's this, they run into these surfer dudes, and they're trying to figure out their way of where to go, and the surfer dudes are there, and they're like, can you help us out? We're like, we got a map. We can help you out. I will show you where to go. Let me, let me X the mark. In fact, you probably need this map once I X the spot. Sure. Well, it's going to be $5. All right, I'll give you $5. But what they didn't see was this little group of guys took their backpack. And as soon as he said, gave him the $5, he says, oh, wait, you probably want your backpack back too. How much is that going to cost? And before they know it, they were emptying their wallet. This group of guys who appear to, I want to help you, ultimately was there to bribe them and rob them. And so often in our life, I think we wrestle with that. Because there are those in the world that appear good, appear legit. I've got the map that you need to find your way to the pasture, to find your way to the good life. And oftentimes the problem is this. We don't realize the danger. We don't realize the problem until we begin to suffer the loss. And only then do we also realize, huh, that was not the best step. That was not the person to trust. That was not the direction I should have gone. When Jesus says, I'm the gate, you don't have to suffer the loss to learn the lesson. Just come to me. I am in this for you. You see, all these gate pretenders they're in it for their own agendas, their own gain. They're a mirage of the real deal, ultimately, ultimately robbing us of life, not giving us life. 
When Jesus says they're thieves and robbers, do you understand what thieves and robbers are? They're manipulative. They're dishonest. They lack integrity. They, they try to look good to you, but behind your back, they're trying to take from you. That's the world. The world does not offer the pasture. The gates in this world are focused on their own gain, not yours. The world is focused on its own gain, not your own. Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the gate. The struggle is that we get so desperate. When we're in our valley, guys, I'm with you on this because I'm in the same boat. I get so desperate at times that I grab a hold of anything tangible that I can that looks like my hope to get to the pasture. And sometimes just the things I grab a hold on to are just not good things. We gravitate towards anything tangible to be our savior in the moment, to be, to be that Messiah. I, I get it. We're, we're, come on, you guys, you're gonna, someone's going to argue with me later and say, Jesus is the Messiah. I know he is. But how we act sometimes, we don't treat it that way. We don't treat it that way. These are all messianic pretenders that claim to offer life, but in the end provide chaos and brokenness. And in the brokenness of the world, we find ourselves in valleys. And then we find ourselves in these places where it's just like, I'm running out of hope. And maybe some of you are there right now. You're in this, you're in this valley, and you're just saying, Bill, I see no hope. My world is dark. My world is broken. Everything is crashing down around me. I can't control it at all. I can't change it. This, it's just over. And some of you are already beginning to throw in the towel. And there's this place in the Old Testament. Such a fascinating part of Scripture. Ezekiel 37. In Ezekiel 37, we see highlighted there this valley of dry bones. The, the people of Israel were so out of hope, they were dead. They were beyond dead. They were as dead as you can get. There was no hope. There was no life. It was over. It seemed like it's done. And I think the struggle is because we trust so often in worldly messiahs, we often throw in the towel and don't realize the hope that can overcome the impossible. And some of you are living in a valley where you are struggling because you see no way out. Your hope seems to be shattered because the hope was never going to come from what this world offers. The hope is the gate who leads us to the pasture. His name is Jesus. Ezekiel 37, verse 11. In those days, Ezekiel, they are crying out, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. It's over. Game's over. This is it. Some of you are probably here right now saying those same words. I can't see a way out of the valley I'm in. My hope is dried up. 
I'm just in the valley of dead bones. I'm dead as dead can be. There's no way to bring life back to this moment. I'm longing for that Messiah. I'm longing for that pasture. But here I am. But through the gate, through the very spirit of God, life is given. Look at verses 12 through 14. Therefore the prophesying say to them, God was telling Ezekiel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. And when I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle in you in your land and then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Jesus said, I am the gate. Through me, you will find the pasture, the pasture of abundant life. Jesus, as the gate, brings life to our dry bones. He brings hope to your place of valley. He is your way out. He is your protection. He is your fulfillment. He is your everything. The Messiah, the Savior, is not in any form in this world. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the hope that you are seeking. That no matter what you are walking through, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because he brings us out of death to life. And not just life, but the good life. Life to the full. Listen to Jesus' words in John 10, 10. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's not just, I'm going to get through each day. I'm going to find a way to manage it. No, he says, your place of security, the fulfillment that you're seeking, the sustainable joy that you're longing after, the, the ability to find peace in your mind that's constantly racing, I will give it to you. You will have it abundantly. The gates of this world claim to offer life. They claim to provide freedom. And they only bring us to chaos and war and suffering and slavery. And Jesus is dealing with people who are struggling with that very same thing in this moment. He was talking to them and saying, you are looking for humanistic political saviors to try to win you out of the rule of the Roman uh, Empire. And only when it's too late do they begin to realize that these leaders that they were lagging, attaching themselves to, what their true intentions were, the chaos, and what they lost. As I said a moment ago, we often don't realize what's at stake until we suffer the loss, and until we suffer the hardship. And Jesus said these gate pretenders... These people that we think are the saviors that would get us out of whatever valley we are in, they just come to steal, take away your personal property, to kill. They ruthlessly trample on human life. They have no desire for life whatsoever, and they destroy. In other words, they savage everything that is valuable in your life. They appear to be some sort of savior. They seem legit. They seem like the real deal. They seem like what we're seeking us only to rob us. 
only destroy everything that we were trying to get to. The good life that we're searching for in many ways is so often this humanistic utopia. In other words, a perfect place where everything about life is perfect. Job is good. Health is good. Relationships are great. And in so doing, we think that place of utopia, that place of perfection is somewhere that we can achieve here. And then we begin to believe that heaven's just a myth. It's just a great story. And we try to, we try to make the utopia that we kind of long for as the real deal. And what Jesus is getting to here, the heart of Jesus' message in this moment is the race that we all struggle with. Where's the pasture? Where's the pasture? You see, the good life will never be found in your humanistic dreams of what the world should be. It won't be there. You will never be satisfied. We can never get the world to where we want it to be, to be the pasture that we need it to be. Jesus is the gate. The gate. The pasture is his presence. And the ultimate reality of his presence is an eternity in heaven. You see, my friends, heaven is the pasture and the ultimate goal of the good life. That's it. It's not a myth. It's the real deal. Your hopes and your dreams will not be found here and be fulfilled here. It will be found in him, in his very presence for all eternity in heaven. And Jesus says that he is the gate. He is the gate. And through him we find ourselves in the pasture for eternity. But, but life to the full, we can experience heaven now. You can experience eternity now. That's what he's trying to share. Yes, the world will always continue to be a broken place. The world will also always continue to find its way into chaos and brokenness and slavery and, 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 just, and just being beat down. But even with all the chaos around you, you can find yourself in the pasture. And oh, by the way, I'm the gate. I'm the one who's sleeping at that gate, who's keeping all the predators out. Those who are wanting to try to seek, kill, and destroy you, I will protect you from them. And I'll make sure if you stay with me, I won't let you wander out there where the danger is. I'll keep you here. Where you'll be in the place where you'll find the fulfillment in your soul, the hope that you're longing for, that your life will be restored over and over and over again. You can experience heaven now. Your goal is not a perfect world. Your goal is experiencing him for all eternity, which can begin right now. If you need to talk to somebody, if you're in a valley place right now, and you need someone to pray with, to talk to, or Bill, how in the world can I get there? How can I experience heaven now in my life? We'd love to talk to you. You know, we'll be back there at the Engage Impact booth. We have a bunch of great leaders you know, email us if you don't feel comfortable talking to us today. But don't leave this moment. If you're in that valley place, 
you can have hope. You can have hope that sustains no matter what you walk through. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you because you are good. And Lord, in this moment, may we just seek you. Lord, right now, I just pray for each person in this place or online that's in that valley. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're dealing with, but you do. Lord, I pray for them right now, those who are ready to throw in the towel, those who just feel like there's no hope, whose mind races every single night with the brokenness in their lives. Lord, they feel like those in Ezekiel 37, their bones are dry. They just feel dead as dead can be. But Lord God, you are the one who gives life. You are the one who gives us not just life, but life more abundantly. Lord, help us to experience eternity now. That no matter what we are walking through, we will have the goodness of your pasture. And may you receive all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.